Welcome to Healthcare Experience Matters. This podcast is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation and is dedicated to transforming the healthcare experience so that every person can receive and deliver the best care. We invite you to learn more by visiting healthcareexperience.org. Hello, everyone. We are back. Healthcare Experience Matters talking with Dr. Christine Meyer. We're going to be talking about improving doctor-patient communication with the goal of better health outcomes. But Dr. Meyer, I know you're an internal medicine physician in Chester County, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your professional background and what you do now? I've been in practice now since uh, 2000, so just over 20 years. Um, When I started, I did join another practice as kind of a junior member and was there for four years, but then broke off and started my own practice. When I started, it was just me. I was the only doctor, the only healthcare provider. I had one employee. I had, you know, maybe a couple hundred patients and uh, it was a struggle. Fast forward today, I have uh, over 20 something providers. We care for 20,000 patients. We have two buildings, a staff of 65. So we've had this uh, tremendous practice growth, which is kind of unheard of in private practice these days. I attribute all of that to the way we focus on our patient experience. Our patients come to us largely because of word of mouth, uh, because of the experiences they have in our practice, not because of marketing or advertising and things like that. That's amazing. And that's why we wanted to talk to you today on this show. So what what do you think it is? Like, what are those extra effort type things, those intangibles that you you do that bring patients back? Like, what do you really hear feedback on that they really appreciate? Yeah. So first, let me say that we've had our fair share of negative feedback, tons of it, in fact. Um, you know, I think the growth of the practice has not been, you know, a steady climb up. We have had some definite, you know, pits and and struggles and rock bottoms. Um, but I think the key is to take those moments, which largely started from negative patient feedback and flip them around, you know, figure out why that feedback was happening and how we could correct it. And it's making those corrections over time that I think got us where we are today. Um, I think one of the most important and overlooked things in practice, especially in primary care, are actually the little things that, you know, everybody wants to be a good doctor. Everybody wakes up saying, I'm going to take good care of my patients today. I'm going to, you know, listen to them. I'm going to prescribe the right medicine, make the right diagnosis. But sometimes they don't think about things like, how does your office look? How does it feel? Is it clean? Is it comfortable? How does your staff communicate it? How do they look? What's your website like? Is it easy to navigate? Is it professional looking? Are you available, accessible? Are you on social media? Like those kind of little things that seem so outside of what we do as doctors, I think have been critical to the growth of my practice. It's much more than about just the medicine you practice. Yeah, definitely. And I also want to mention that you are the founder of the CMMD Foundation. This is right. a, a nonprofit supporting local families battling cancer. And um, you're also the author of The Longest Mile, and that's a doctor of food fight and the foot race that rallied a community against cancer. So I want to ask you about those two initiatives next. Tell us about the foundation and the book. Yeah. So um, 10 years ago, my aunt and mentor, who was also a physician, was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. 
um, at 59 and she had never had a colonoscopy. The guidelines were, you know, get a colonoscopy at 50, but she was a doctor. Doctors are the worst patients. Uh, but she was a tremendous human. And then after that, you know, it felt like, I'm sure this wasn't really true, but it felt like all of my patients were getting diagnosed with cancer. Like I had a year of a run of just devastating young cancer diagnoses, a 40-year-old that died of metastatic melanoma, a 45-year-old that died of metastatic colon cancer, a 35-year-old that was diagnosed with inoperable lung cancer, even though she never smoked a cigarette in her life. So those patients compounded with my aunt's story, just I personally hit rock bottom. I got to this point of feeling like, what am I doing? Like the, the medicine I practice every day is not accomplishing anything. Young people are still dying. Um, so I was in the pits of like a woe is me depressed state uh, in January of 2012. And I decided that I was going to run the Philadelphia Broad Street Run, which is a 10 mile race. And I thought training for that would give me some sense of purpose, especially if I use that run to raise money for a cancer foundation. So I started out, you know, raising money for the American Cancer Society. And I decided to get some friends to run with me. That year, I got like 60 people to join the team. We raised like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then more and more people started jumping on. And next thing I know, we had like thousands of people Um in what we started calling Team CMMD. We raised millions of dollars for the American Cancer Society. And then we started contributing grants to the community, to people who were battling cancer. So over that 10 years, it just you know ballooned from just a personal mission to do something better because of my experience in my practice and in my family to this tremendous thing that helped so many people in the community. And then the book basically just tells that story of how that that team came to be from like one person wanting to run a race to, you know, this foundation that ended up helping so many people. I think that's very inspiring to our listeners. It feels like that was your actionable way to fight some of that burnout and fight the that state that we've all been in where it's kind of that woe is me and just kind of maybe you're in a little slump. So I really, I really appreciate that. Any other uh, items that you want to mention for that helped kind of pull you out of your slump that might be beneficial to our listeners? Yeah. I mean, I think it's so important for doctors to realize that we are human beings too. And that admitting your low times, I, I would definitely say I was clinically depressed at that time. I mean, you know, doctor wants to hear themselves say that we say things like I'm overworked, I'm overstretched. Uh, I'm carrying the burden of all my patients, but sometimes it really is within us um, and we need to talk about it. So for me, I turned to my team and, and the friends I made through that foundation. And it was personally and on a selfish level, tremendously therapeutic. In fact, when I resigned for, as chairperson of that foundation several years ago at our board meeting, I told everyone that, you know, people always say, oh my God, you gave so much to this foundation. But I honestly God say, no, I took so much from that foundation. That foundation saved me. And I think we are too, I don't want to say arrogant, but doctors just don't want to be that person that admits that they need help. So I would say if there's a take-home message from that, you know, you don't need to go start a nonprofit and raise millions of dollars or whatever. You just need to reach out, you know, accept that you have a, a weakness and a need and just reach out and get the help that you need. Because that experience over that 10-year period has transformed me personally, professionally, um, as a business person. It, it's had so many positive impacts. So that's what I would 
think the most important take home point should be. Definitely. And, you know, as someone that obviously, you know, you were self-diagnosing there, but, you know, someone who was considering themselves clinically depressed, I think that kind of gives you maybe a little empathy when you're interacting with your patients. Do you want to talk a little bit about the role of empathy in medicine? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, I grew up in the generation of medicine before clinical depression was, you know, accepted as a physiologic medical condition. It was like, ah, this person's blue, you know, they can pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Like, you know, look, they have the world, you know, they have everything. Why in the world would they be depressed? That kind of mentality in medicine. Um, So I have had a complete about face about that. Maybe not just because of my personal experience, but just, you know, as medicine has evolved and as we've learned more, but I absolutely can see how someone who on the surface seems to be fine and have everything could have deep, deep pain underneath. And as a doctor, you know, it's one thing to have someone say to you, I'm clinically depressed and be empathetic and do all the right things. But it's another thing to see it and probe to get that information. I think that's where my experience has gotten as a doctor. It's like that next level of being able to just recognize the fringes and taking the conversation deeper. I think a lot of us might not do that had we not had the same experiences. No, no, that makes total sense. Um, Any other notes for our listeners on how we can improve the doctor-patient communication paradigm? Um, So I think the biggest thing I learned from my practice is the devil is in the details. You know, when patients say, I hate your phones, you really got to look at that. You know, I I went through, it's almost like the five stages of grief, you know, denial, anger. I'm like, ah, my phones are the best. And we've got no problems. And then I do so much. Why are they so mad about the phones? But then like get past that and be super introspective about it. So, you know, do things like call your own phones, you know, and see what your experience is. And to be honest, like our phones absolutely sucked. So some things we did were we upgraded the hardware of our system so it would accommodate more volume. We instituted a texting uh, service, which patients nowadays love to text. They prefer to text than to uh, make a phone call. We have made it so patients have almost limitless access to us through the patient portal. Say like 85% of our patients use the patient portal, which has been huge. So You know, in terms of patient communication, we think about like how do doctors and my podcast talks about that a lot is like how do doctors communicate with patients in a good way or bad way. But I think another really important piece is how do doctors communicate with our practice in general and reach us in general. So you may have the best conversation in the world, but if they can't get to you, it's meaningless. So I think really looking at the infrastructure of all the different ways that patients can and want to communicate with your practice is really, really important. Makes perfect sense. I mean, if I'm listening to you, I I think what you're saying is, you know, listen to your patient's feedback. And and then, you know, that's kind of one half of it. It's actual listening. And then it's taking action on fixing and mending uh, what needs to be done. Am I hitting on that properly? Absolutely. And honestly, it's not easy. Uh, because we're all, you know, type A perfectionists. We think we're the best at everything. So being able to accept the negative feedback with uh, with grace and turn it into a positive is very difficult. I mean, I'm still working on that, you know, 25 years later. 
Dr. Christine Meyer has been our guest today. I'm talking on the Healthcare Experience Matters podcast right now. Dr. Meyer, I'm going to just turn it over to you. Was there any other final thoughts or anything else you wanted to add to the conversation before we wrap it up here? Um, I would say that the way I get up out of bed every day as a doctor and keep doing what I do and what I love is to just remind myself that we would not exist if it weren't for our patients' need for us. So, you know, I definitely consider it less of a job and more of a service. And that is what feels really good. So, you know, when you're tired, when you're sick of that 17th phone call on, you know, on call, you don't want to finish 15,000 charts. Um, I think it's really helpful to, helpful to remember that, that we are in the human services industry where really people depend on us so much. And that's definitely what gets me through, you know, those hardest days. All right. ChristineMeyerMD.com is the website. You can learn more there. I'll also put some links in the description of today's episode. Dr. Meyer, thank you so much for your time today. This has been, this has been a really excellent discussion. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Healthcare Experience Matters. Healthcare Experience Matters is brought to you by the Healthcare Experience Foundation. To learn more, please visit healthcareexperience.org. That's healthcareexperience.org.